everyone. I'm Jim Santos, and this is the International Living Podcast. In this podcast series, we introduce you to a bigger world full of communities that are safe, welcoming, beautiful, and sometimes undiscovered. A better world, too. A friendly, warm, great value world where you can live richer, travel more, invest for profit, and enjoy a better life. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the International Living Podcast. In this episode, we're returning to the Greek island of Rhodes. International Living Lifestyle Editor Sean Keenan gave us a glimpse of this ancient island back in episode 22, and today we're going to be chatting with a young man he met during his visit there earlier this year. Francisco Huerta has been living on Rhodes since 2019, and he's here to share his rather unusual story with us today. Francisco, welcome to the International Living Podcast. Hey, Jim, how's it going? It's really, really awesome to be here. Yeah, how's the weather in uh, Rhodes right now? You know, it's uh, it's the end of October, and I think today it was maybe 80 degrees Fahrenheit. It's really sunny. Really warm, yeah. Uh, my wife and I were just in Greece uh, a few weeks ago. We were in Athens and uh, Thessaloniki, and uh, it, oh, was, great. it was quite warm then, too. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of the locals are pretty surprised how uh, how warm it still is at this time of the year. It yeah. usually starts getting a little bit colder, maybe a little bit of rain, but right now it's uh, it's nice and warm. Well, Francisco, this is her first time on the show. Uh, I know you met Sean when he was out in Rhodes, uh, but how about just telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, where you're from, and how you ended up in Greece? Sure. So, yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting Sean in person. I had been in contact with him through a mutual friend who stated that Sean was looking for, you know, expats uh, across the world. I know he travels a lot for work and we had the pleasure of meeting here in Rhodes. But a little bit about myself. Again, my name is Francisco and I was actually born in Mexico and I grew up in the state of California Mm -hmm. and I went to college in Southern California And I played soccer in Southern California. And after playing in college, I decided I wanted to follow my dreams of playing in Europe at the highest level I possibly could. You know, it's one of those dreams that, you know, when you're 40, 50, 60, you always look back and maybe it's one of those things that I would have wished that I did. So I did my research on the internet and I found uh, a small agency here in Greece And they were very gracious enough to help me come all the way to the other side of the world. So Mm -hmm. it took it took quite a while for the for the visa process to get started and to end, especially because I did it through while COVID was happening. Right. So a lot of things were slowed down or stopped completely. And eventually I made it all the way out here. And as of right now, um, I've been here in Greece nonstop for 13 months straight, but I've been coming here since 2018. You've been coming uh, strictly to Rhodes or have you been in other parts of the of the country? Strictly to Rhodes. This is where the agency is based out of. So mm-hmm. this is kind of where I landed. Well, I understand that the soccer opportunities would be much greater in Europe uh, than they are in the U.S., but uh, did you try other countries or uh, I was just curious what got you to Greece rather than to uh, Germany or Austria or, or, you know, some other European country. 
Yeah. So one of the reasons that I ended up in Greece was the the agent which helped me come here is Greek. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he knows he knows the Greek market the best. And you know, unfortunately, it's very very difficult for players to that are not from the European Union or do not have a European passport to play in some of the bigger uh, soccer countries like Germany, Italy. Uh, England, it's impossible. It's literally impossible. You cannot play in, in England at all. Uh, zero. There's zero chance. So yeah, Greece seems like the best option for any young or any player who's not from the EU to come and play here. It's more of a trampoline than than the final destination. And what club are you uh, associated with now then? You know, last season I played with a club here on the island in the Greek fourth division called Adelfosini. And unfortunately this year, I they're going to be playing at a different level. And I was very fortunate um, to actually, I'm actually going to be moving to Italy to play on a club there. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, very excited. Um, I actually met uh, my current girlfriend here in Rhodes. And she happens to be Italian, and she went back to Italy, and uh, I'm going to follow her to Italy. And thankfully, the Italians love football as much as I do, so there's a lot of opportunity there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what position do you play? I play attacking center mid. In Europe, we would call it a number 10. But I can also play on the wings, which is like a right wing or a left wing, and that's usually in Europe called a number seven or a number 11. How's the rest of the club uh, treat you? Were you accepted as coming in, you know, from another country like that? Or I, I guess there's a lot of international uh, mixing among soccer players. You know, Jim, that's actually a very, very good question because I've actually pondered on the same question many times on my own. And essentially, believe it or not, I'm the only Mexican-American on this island and I'm the first ever Mexican to play on this league ever. So not much, uh, not a, there are some international players, but no one with my qualities or with my background, let's say. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was uh, at first, it was, it was quite a, quite a challenge. Um, not speaking the language is, is and has been the biggest hurdle to playing here in Greece. And I tried my best, you know, um, you learn the, the football language, right? right? You start hearing the words, pame, you start hearing the words, uh, fige, which is go, pame, let's go. You start learning that, that language and they saw, you know, the teammates saw that I tried my best to, to adapt as fast as I could, but there was still a gap. Eventually, you know, they were all super nice and, not all of them spoke English fluently. Some of them didn't really speak English at all. But it, eventually, I was accepted as, as one of the players. So all the coaching is done in Greek? Yes. There are some coaches that speak English, but that coach spoke zero English. <laughs> it was all yeah. Greek, you know? So uh, he would have to have someone translate his directions for me um, into from Greek to English. Which was a little frustrating for both of us, right? Because just like in any high-level sport, the information needs to travel really fast, right? Right, really, really, really fast. You want things to happen, 
but um it was uh yeah it was it was quite a challenge for for both of us for him you know trying to get the information out and for me to receive the information but at the end of the day i just let my football do the talking and that kind of worked out for everybody <laughs> uh, i'm curious do you uh, coming from you know southern california and uh being part mexican did you have any spanish yeah yeah uh, i'm actually full mexican um so i speak spanish fluently it's actually my mother tongue and and uh yeah so i speak spanish but spanish hasn't really helped me out here in uh in greece yeah. unfortunately well i'm just curious if you tried any of these uh, south american teams oh you know i have not and one of the main reasons is that the best football on the planet is played here in, in europe right and yeah that was that was the you know, kind of the the goal, the peak, the end goal was to play in in Europe. Now, when when are you making the transition to Italy? I actually I went to Italy a few weeks back for a little while just to uh, go talk to some of the teams that I had been in contact with. One of the teams that I spoke with is really really interested, and I you know I had a few trainings with them. They really liked me, and um, right now we're planning on me being in Italy before the end of the year so that I can play the rest of the season, which would be from January all the way to May or June. Yeah. That was something I was curious about of what the, what the season is and what you do in between seasons. Yeah. So it depends on the level. So every single division in every single country has different timetables, but there are things called transfer windows in soccer especially in Europe where players can transfer teams and there's two of them. One of them is in the summer and there's a shorter one in the winter. The one in the summer is about two to three months long, depending on the country. The one in the winter is very narrow. It's three to four weeks. Mm -hmm. And and that's usually the the mid uh, season one is specifically for injuries. uh, You know, players that might drop out just for, little inconveniences and the teams are able to kind of help themselves again, you know, refill the spots that are left behind. But seasons vary uh, between, I would say between six months to nine months. And that also depends on how far your team makes it. You know, sometimes your team goes all the way to the championship and that's a nine month, 10 month season. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your team sucks, <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> and that, that, that makes it a six month season and you're, done halfway and to answer your question about uh what i do in the off time this this time while i was off i got the chance to live in greece and work remotely i worked for a company out of indiana Mm -hmm. and so i got to work you know uh, spend some time working and training on my own Uh, a lot of gym sessions Um, i have a nutritionist also from the u.s i have a trainer that's from england and a psychologist that's from Southern California, a sports psychologist. So I stayed quite busy uh, keeping the level that I that I attained when I got here. Actually, it all sounds pretty expensive. Uh, do you have a, a salary as a professional uh, football player? Or? You know, um, some of the some of the expenses I had paid before I got here. So I paid for like maybe a, like a yearly subscription to my trainer before I even came to Greece to guarantee that I would have. Uh, professional level training throughout the season, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. 
but there are some stipends or a little bit of help from the teams but unfortunately in the lower divisions all over Europe there is little to none compensation because we're treated as semi-professional soccer players mm-hmm. you know not full professional soccer players but um I've been extremely blessed to work with really kind heartwarming and understanding people who have helped me um throughout my entire career here in in Europe so a lot of those prices I've had to pay out of pocket but they've been worth every single penny and how many games do you play uh, typically a season can consist of between 18 to 34 games again depending on how good your team is so one or two games a week yeah yeah and especially maybe in a country like Italy there's the championship right so you play all the teams in your division and then there's something called the cup right so the Italian cup the Greek cup and that's the cup is um a tournament that is open to every single team from the first division all the way to maybe the fifth or sixth division so that every single team in the country has a chance to win a cup of the entire country so mm-hmm. Maybe you play a game on Saturday for the division, the championship, and then maybe you have a game on Wednesday for the cup. And it kind of varies like that. But unfortunately for the cup games, those are elimination. So if you right. lose, you're out. You lose, you're out, right. <laughs> well, in the, the fourth division there in Rhodes, uh, who do you play against? Are, are they all Greek teams or all teams in Rhodes? Or is there travel involved around the country? So in Greece – specifically because this is where I've played and this is where I have the experience. The country is divided into different sections. So, you know, the part around Athens, that's its own region. The part around Crete has its own region. The part in the north in Thessaloniki has its own region. And here in Rhodes, we're part of the Aegean, right? So there's uh, the Dodecanes Aegean Federation, I guess you could say, the region. Mm-hmm. And we play all the teams in this region. The best teams, you know, the very top teams that win the the championship here get to play against other teams and other parts of the country. So it's kind of a creme of the crop get to play each other at the very end. And then maybe they go to Athens, maybe they go to Crete, maybe they go to the Saloniki. Mm-hmm. But eventually, well, sorry, essentially we do only play the teams here in the islands nearby. So Kos, Simi, there's another island that I always forget the name of, and then here in Rhodes. So there is a bit of travel involved, and it was actually quite exciting to get on a boat for the first time to travel to a football game. That was the first time in my life (laughs) I've ever had to do that. Yeah, some of the islands are a little far apart too. Right, right. The the boat ride that we took for uh, an away game was three hours. I believe. So mm-hmm. it was quite a ride to, you know, go for three hours, play for two hours and then come back for back three, three hours. hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in, in your move to Italy, is, is this a move up or is this a lateral move for you? This is a move up. Mm-hmm. Definitely a move up when it comes to the level of play, even with the few trainings that I have with the Italian team, the level is much higher there is a bit of um, 
I don't want to say seriousness because I believe, you know, everybody who wants to play is kind of taking it serious. But there's there's a bit more of professionalism. And I think it just has to do with the structure of the way the Italian league is structured as opposed to how the Greek league is structured. Mm -hmm. It also has to do a lot with the economies. You know, It, it just feels different, but it's definitely a step up. Definitely. So you think it'll be a tougher competition and you're going to have to work a little harder in this league? Definitely. Most definitely. Even in the training ground, it was, I would say, compared to the team that I was playing at before, I would say two to three times harder, more intense. Uh, the players have a better understanding of football. There's, there's a better football intelligence and a little bit more seriousness, like I was saying before, when it comes to how the players come to the trainings and take the trainings more seriously, which I really, really, really enjoy. How about the fans? Uh, do you get a lot of fan appreciation? You know, that was actually one of the, one of the biggest moments in my football career. You know, playing in the U.S., obviously in the college ground, we do get fans. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the parents, a lot of the, some students from the, from the school come to watch the games. But it doesn't quite feel like what football fans feel like. Yeah. And I hope that comes across clear because there's this fervor, there's this fever, there's this internal fire that burns inside the, the fans, you know, the football fans. And you don't quite get that in the U.S. because in the U.S., you know, soccer is – oh, and by the way, I apologize if I switch between football and soccer. Right. <laughs> I, I'm so used to calling it football here in Europe. But there's just something about soccer fans in Europe that there's a burning desire. And seeing fans burning torches and smoke, you know, the smoke mm-hmm. grenades and – you know, with drums, we had a lot of fan appreciation and some of the away games too. That was really amazing. That was one of the best moments of my life, you know, being a, a football player and wanting to play at a higher level to be able to go to a stadium and feel the pressure of the people, of the crowd against you. It was quite a moment, quite a moment that I don't think I would have lived in in, in the U.S. Yeah, I've been, um, when we lived in Ecuador, I know that there were mm-hmm. times when the streets would be absolutely deserted because everybody's watching the soccer game on TV or they're standing outside bars watching it or they're crowded into the food courts in the malls mm. so they can watch the soccer games on the big screen. And you'd always right. know somebody scored because all of a sudden you hear car horns honking <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I understand it is a very different thing. They take it much more seriously. Very much. So w- what kind of... Um, Visa are you on there in Greece? Is there a special one for athletes? There is. It's called the National Visa D. And there's a special numeric value that's assigned to it. Um, I can't quite remember which one it is. But that's the name of the visa. And I had to apply for it in the U.S. So I went to the consulate in Los Angeles, the Greek consulate. And they were very helpful always attentive, always willing to help me with any documents that I needed. So the process was, in a way, very smooth, mm-hmm. but because of COVID, very, very slow. cut up, right? right. It, was, it was, yeah, very, very slow, chopped up. 
but that's the visa that I'm on. And fortunately, when I got here with that visa, I was able to get a resident permit. So, you know, I became a Greek resident as soon as I came here. Now, I imagine in Rhodes there, uh, I know the prices can fluctuate wildly because uh, they have a very heavy tourist season. But I imagine uh, having a kind of reduced cost of living, especially compared to Southern California, it's made it a little bit easier for you to, to follow your dream. Yes, Jim, definitely. The cost of living has been the biggest, by far, discounted uh, price for, of life, you know? Mm-hmm. There's some, there's some massive, massive discrepancy in, in the prices, like you said, in the on-season and the off-season. And it's a massive distinction. You right. can feel it, you know, mm-hmm. living here. In the off-season, it's technically a ghost town. Right. There's nobody here. And during the on-season, it's so packed with people, you can barely walk in some of the more crowded streets of the, of the tourist areas like the medieval town. It's so packed with people. Mm-hmm. But compared to Southern California, and I spoke to the gym actually about this in the, in the June and I believe it was a June and August edition when he interviewed me for International Living, how here um, I'm very blessed to be in a two-bedroom apartment. And I live with a friend of mine who also happens to be Italian. And we both pay around between 350 to 400 euros a month. Mm-hmm. So altogether, it's about 600 to 800 euros a month. That includes internet, rent electricity and some of the you know local payments for you know keeping the building clean and things like that but as opposed to southern california i mean a one bedroom apartment can be 1600 1800 dollars just for rent right so it's been an amazing amazing experience to be able to follow my dreams here and be able to have a more affordable cost of living uh, speaking of following your dreams, is there is there like a story of someone who has done something similar to what you're doing? Someone from your division, for instance, who made it uh, to the big leagues. Is there anybody like that that you have kind of your eye on is that's the kind of path I want to take? You know, Jim, I, I'm going to say, unfortunately, no. And I say unfortunately because fortunately, it's me. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm the one trailblazing. <laughs> I'm the one making the path. There is nobody that I know, that I know of, who has tried to do what I do. I'm sure there has been a lot of players that played in college, you know, D1, D2, D3, who have made the jump over the pond to come play in some of the leagues here. I've read about them on different forums, different articles. There's YouTubers. There's a little bit of everything, but... Nobody that I personally know of or heard of that has tried to make the transition mm-hmm. and and made it very, very far. I'm the only person. And a lot of my friends are impressed and scared for me. Impressed because, you know, I've been out here for such a long time and I'm still playing. Mm-hmm. And scared for me because, you know, there's, there's, there's no path. There is no story. I'm writing the, the first story. It's... Uh, it's a double-edged sword. I feel very blessed mm-hmm. to be to have the courage to do this, but on the other blade, it's a bit scary at right. times, you know, and a bit lonely because there's no one to 
lean on and, and that can really understand what I'm going through when it, in terms of soccer. Well, how about the, the locals though? Like, is there someone's picture that's up in the locker room is, you know, this guy played here and now he's in the big leagues or anything like that? Anyone from the division, I guess I'm asking that that's moved up. Ah, from the division. There are a handful of players who have been able to make the leap to the higher divisions in Greece, but it's very few and far between, especially from Rhodes. And that's something that I spoke about with the people who work at the agency that helped me come here. And they said that, unfortunately, out of Rhodes, there's been maybe a handful of professional players that have actually made it to the big leagues, what's called Super League One mm-hmm. and Super League Two here in Greece. So even the Greeks don't have too many people to look up to. <laughs> well, are there like scouting agents who go around watching games? And I mean, with so many, so much soccer being played all over Europe, is there any kind of system where talent scouts are going out and looking? You know, that's something that I've been learning a lot about. And I've been talking to a lot of my friends back in the States about because a lot of them still play soccer. And one of the things that one of the people at the agency that, uh, that helped me out said is you never know who's watching. Right. And so specifically, I want to say no. There's no specific scouting network of people who are out looking, but there's, there's always an eye on you. Right. There's mm-hmm. always someone who knows someone who knows someone. And essentially, when you get to know the ins and outs of the football world, you see that you're maybe one or two calls away from going to a really, really big club and potentially changing your life forever. But nobody will ever tell you, hey, I'm a scout. I'm here to watch. You know, right. it's always it's always just somebody who saw somebody who saw somebody who know somebody who will call the president of a club but yeah with so much football being played like you said uh, i apologize soccer being played here in europe it's definitely more optimistic i would say and that's one of the biggest differences that really made me want to take the leap because here even if i'm playing at the fourth division in greece or the fifth or fourth or sixth division in italy or fourth division in germany there's always the chance that there's going to be someone watching that's going to say, hey, I know a team that's very good that needs a player with your qualities, and they're going to make a call, mm-hmm. and they're going to go pick you out. And the U.S. is so massive, and there's so many, you know, there's so many millions of players. I've tried to study it on my own, and I don't think there's enough people watching enough players to get all the players. You know, a lot of right. players slip through the cracks. Yeah, it seems like you'll be a lot more visible in Italy than you would be uh, in an island out in the Aegean Sea. Yes. Yeah. What what part of Italy will you be in? I'm going to be in the northern part of Italy. It's about an hour away from Venice. Mm, nice. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's um, it's a city called Padova. It's going to be a big leap, and uh, just like you stated, I look forward to the exposure because. There, even a third division club is considered very, very high level. I would mm-hmm. say that a third division club in Italy is probably at the same level as a first division club in Greece. Just to give you an idea of how 
of I guess the the difference in the levels, right? The right, because level. in the competition level, exactly. Because in Italy, the first division clubs are the very famous clubs: Milan, Juventus, Napoli, Fiorentina. And those clubs play on the international stage. Those clubs play in the Champions League. Those clubs do world tours. Right. As opposed to the Greek clubs, they they don't. <laughs> you know, they just don't. They get on a boat and go to another island, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. So I guess you have to go through the process again with uh, Italy getting a, a visa to, to go there to play. That is correct, Jim. But fortunately for me, since... I already got a visa in Greece and since I already had the privilege of attaining a resident permit here in Greece, I got in contact with the embassy and with some of the teams and it's a lot easier for me now to be able to obtain the necessary paperwork and documents for me to live in Italy and play in Italy mm-hmm. as opposed to the very first time. So it's, it's kind of like once you made it to Europe and you're legally here and you've stayed here and you've played here, it makes it a lot easier to kind of switch countries, right? Uh, essentially. Yeah, now we have, um, you know, grandkids, of course, that are are into soccer. Uh, some at the high school level, when it played at the college level. What would you say to someone who's just starting out who, in that part of their career? Would you encourage anyone else to try something like this? Jim, I definitely would, 100%. This has been the best soccer experience of my entire life. And I've played my entire life since being in Mexico. And I would definitely recommend for anyone who has the opportunity to come, to take a leap, to come and learn a different culture, see the way other countries play soccer because not every country plays the same. Mm-hmm. I would 100 recommend 100% recommend for a player who has the opportunity to come to definitely take it. And there's something that people say here very often, especially in the agency world, there are not enough good players. There are not enough good players. And that's something that struck me because being a player in the U S We look towards Europe and say, oh, my God, all the best players are there, the highest quality, the best talent. But then when you actually come here, I realized that I have a lot of friends back in California who can absolutely shine in Europe. Absolutely. And I wish that I could just bring all of them with me and put them on my team and we would dominate even Rhodes. (laughs) And we would dominate parts of Europe because the quality is there. And teams pay a lot of money for young, talented players. So I would 100% recommend if you're in high school, if you're starting your college career, if you're going to a junior college like I did, and you're still young and you have the grit, the personality, the commitment to come to a foreign country, learn a foreign language, eat some gyros. Right. <laughs> definitely, definitely make it out here. Francisco, let me ask you this. What kind of opportunities are there for women who might be interested in pursuing the, the dream that you're pursuing? You know, Jim, I've seen 
a very big expansion of the women's game here in Europe. And it's beautiful. There is a really high level of soccer here for women. I actually have a friend who I went to school with in Southern California. And she was very talented. She was really, really fast and had a really good soccer IQ. Mm -hmm. And she actually made it to Spain. And she played in the top flight in Spain. And everybody was so proud of her because, you know, coming from college in the U.S., there's obviously there's the women's professional league in the U.S. as well. But she went straight to the top. So I would say... I would recommend if I had a granddaughter or if I had a daughter that was in high school going into the college age or college looking for the next opportunity in soccer, Europe right now for me, from my perspective, from my experience, is an amazing opportunity. And I would 100% 100 recommend to take a leap and come out and give it your best because a lot of teams are looking for the best talent and it would be an amazing opportunity. You know, that's what it is all about is taking that leap and uh do admire that you've taken the 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 chance that you have to do this because you're you're gaining life experiences that uh, you can't get any other way right and like i keep telling all my friends my family my colleagues when i go back to the u.s if i go back to the u.s right. <laughs> i'm falling in love with europe jim i'll yeah. be honest with you i'm going to be able to tell the younger generations my nieces, my nephews, hey, Europe is an amazing place. And I can say that from experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say that from someone who has lived it, anyone who wants to play soccer here in Europe, there is opportunity. There is opportunity. And until you live it yourself, you won't know. But I 100% recommend for everybody that can to take a leap and come try it out for themselves. It's an amazing life experience. Well, we've been chatting with Francisco Huerta about his experiences on the Greek island of Rhodes as he pursues his dream to become a professional football player. Francisco, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today, and I wish you all the best in your pursuits. Jim, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the podcast. I hope that maybe in a year or two, we can reconnect and I can tell you all about my Italian experience The International Living Podcast is a production of International Living. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. If you have an idea for an episode or a question you'd like us to answer, email us at mailbag at internationalliving.com. And don't forget to put podcast in the subject line of your email. That's mailbag at internationalliving.com. We created the International Living Podcast to help showcase the ideas we explore in the magazine and our other publications each month, and to grow our community of travel lovers, expats, and experts who believe as we do, that the world is full of opportunity to create a more interesting, more international life. You don't have to be rich and famous to do that, you just need to know the secrets, and that's what we bring you at International Living. If you haven't become a member yet, you can do it today with a special discount offer for podcast listeners. You'll receive our monthly magazine, plus a bundle of special extras. 
You'll find the link in our show notes, or you can go to intliving.com slash podcast. That's intliving.com slash podcast. Next week, we'll be on the other side of the globe talking to another islander, this one on the island of Honshu in Japan. So until then, this is Jim Santos for International Living reminding you there's a bigger, better world out there just waiting for you. Thank you.